On this episode of Resi Week, we talk HTSA takeaways, it doesn't have to be Wi-Fi, and Snap working with all the buying groups. All this and more on this episode of Resi Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Resi Week, episode 325, another new standard. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Sure, Sound Extraordinary. Welcome to Resi Week. This is your weekly roundup of all the latest news and stories for the residential AV industry. I'm your host, Matthew Scott for avnation.tv. And this week, I'm pleased to be joined by two of my good friends. First, we have Katie McGregor Bennett. She is the CEO and founder of KMV Communications. How are you doing, Katie? I'm doing great. Doing great. Cannot complain. Oh, thank you so much for being here. Then we have Avi Rosenthal. He is a partner at BlueSav. How you doing, Avi? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on this week. Thank you for being here. I am I am going to do my best today to not bring up NAB at all, uh, even though I was... Uh, Avi, I was literally Sunday morning. I'm at church trying to get stuff ready, and I'm like reading Twitter and checking news. I'm like, ooh, Tim, go see this, because I conveniently forgot that he was three hours behind me conveniently 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 scary thing is he got back to me <laughs> Good all right morning. exactly uh let's kick this off with a story that comes to us from ce pro custom integrators talk about plans for post pandemic growth uh at the htsa spring event um ce pro asked some integrators out in the lobby uh, how they're going to build on the growth they've experienced throughout the pandemic, etc. Um, so you can you can in theory read through this, but it's it's all in a video, um, which I'm not going to complain about. But I, I hate watching videos. At least give me like bullet points, please. Gosh, um, but it's what they wanted to do. I get it. No problem, uh, Katie. <laughs> when you see this, there were there were some really interesting points coming out and of the out of the video out of those interviews um specifically that obviously they're going to continue to build on networking which shocks literally no one um but the part that i found kind of interesting was that they're focusing on or, or, or starting to focus on project scope that is coming to them to to at least provide input if not directly quote on that they've never really seen in the past and and they don't mention what that is completely but we can allude to what a lot of that stuff is uh as far as you know again all those top trends that are kicking off right now is that going to become the the go-to that that we will finally kind of have that dream of being the go-to person for anything that's tech in the home is going to go through an actual integrator or is this a you know a one-off or maybe not a one-off, but is this just based on the clientele that the majority of, for example, in this case, HDSA member companies deal with? They're dealing with that higher echelon. Is that why that's coming to term, or is this going to hit the industry broad? I No, I think I, I think it's going to hit the industry broad. I think it already is hitting, and I think that it actually has for some time. We're just we're finally getting to a point where we're talking about it in, in a more broad, <laughs> more broad brushstrokes manner. You know, it, it, you and I have talked about this a million times. One of the things I, I love to rib you at trade shows about is, remember that interview we did with Aihiji like 10 years ago? And you were like, I, he get, I, get, I, I get, well, what do you call them? 
again, the point of me not having you getting to rib you about that one more time, but way back in the day, like 10 plus years ago, their tagline was own the network, own the home. And it was a really hard concept to get through to the industry and to the consumer on the other side of what exactly does that mean? And it was really just forecasting what the future was going to hold, which is the critical nature of, of the network in the modern residence and anymore. I mean, I'm not talking about design modern. I'm talking about just the homes we live in today, just mm-hmm. like you wouldn't have elect- you wouldn't not have electrical or plumbing. You also really don't have a home without some sort of an Internet backbone. And now that there's more work being done from home, we were talking about this before we started recording, even customer service is being being done from the bed, not here, but elsewhere, the network that has to be in that, okay, maybe sometimes, but the network that that has to be there to support the structure of the home, it really does need to be more and more robust. And it's just, it is, it's a fact of life. It's one that I'm rejoicing and celebrating on behalf of my clients, but also finally for our industry, getting the recognition that we deserve and the importance of that network being properly structured, properly secured, and properly supported. And I think, you know, now is the time for us to go, hey, hallelujah, finally, now we have a consumer audience that really understands and and hopefully respects the value of the work that the integration community does and the manufacturing community brings to the table. Off the shelf is no no longer good enough, and it really needs Mm -hmm. to be questioned and scrutinized, and I think that's that's really what what this message is all about and i think you know the integration community really is finding finding their stride and finding new opportunities to to expand their businesses and really be more of a important role and again it comes back to that now they own the network they can own the home yeah that's a good point avi one one of the things that that always comes to mind when i see this or when i see this trend right of people talking about how you know they're expanding their scope and they're touching more and more things and i respect that and i like that but I also get concerned with that. There's a, a a tendency to become kind of that that jack of all trades, which in theory is good, is not always as preferred as being, you know, hyper focused on things. When we as an integration community continue to be kind of bombarded with questions about everything from the theater, the golf simulator, the outdoor audio, the security, the cameras, uh, the smart toilet, the smart dishwasher, uh, the the leak sensors on the radon in the crawl space. Like we can literally, outside of maybe insulation and framing, maybe shingles, uh, unless you're using smart tile, on, on, you know, for, for solar, like we can literally be as much, if not almost more than the GC from an involvement standpoint. Long term, does that does that benefit most integration companies, or does that become a? I, I don't want to say it's a hindrance. Maybe a liability. Yeah, yeah. So, so maybe a lot. So, uh, first of all, I think it's great for the integration community because I completely, com- uh, I completely agree with Katie when she talks about how we now own the network. Owning the network is not just about the network, but every single device that's connected to it. Mm-hmm. So, if you're not looking at things like battery backup, right? Charging vehicles, solar panels, conversion generators. If you're not into intimately involved with a lot of these systems, your builder partners and your homeowners are going to start to look for somebody who is. I myself have started consulting with a number of builders. During the building boom, I was approached by not only some of my previous builders from like way back in the day, Mm-hmm. But some builders found me at a trade show and online as well and brought me in as their technology consultant. Now, I'm not becoming an integrator again. I'm I'm too old to be up in attics pulling wire. I get it. It's okay. I own it. It's all right. But 
the knowledge base and having to understand how everything goes together and the difference between a strong network and a weak network and what that means to a homeowner when they move in and they want to connect all these smart devices is very, very important. And it all comes back to the reputation of the person building the house. So if we are not the GC, which certainly we're not, we're not building the sticks and the roofs and the walls and all of that, what we're putting behind all of that and what we're establishing to run everything once it's done is just as important as making sure the roof doesn't leak. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, the good integrators are going to embrace that. They're going to embrace the position that they're being placed in. It's sort of like, you know, we always put the architects up on this pedestal, right? They were always, ooh, we have to go talk to the architect. Let them put us on the same pedestal. Let us put on the same pedestal as the architect. You're going to design the structure. You're going to design the HVAC system and the way that the plumbing drains and all of that. At the same time, you need an expert to know how everything goes together. And again, what Katie mentioned, not only does it, is it positive for the integrator, but proof of that is that the manufacturers are now stepping up. Very large networking hardware companies are recognizing the potential within the integration business, and they're coming to the integrators to say, hey, we want to be a part of what you're installing. You are now the specifier of the equipment going into this mm -hmm. home, and we want to talk to you. The same way we used to curry favor with the architects and the lighting designers when it came to technology, the networking hardware manufacturers are going to curry favor with the integrators, which I don't want to get too ahead of your stories, but you have a story in there about buying groups that mm -hmm. we're going to talk about in a little bit. Why is that company currying favor with all four buying groups? Because they know at the end of the day, the integrator is the designer, is the, the person specifying what's going into the home. Own the network, own the home, own the integrator, get the sales. Yeah, I like that a lot. All right, let's let's change topics slightly kind of for a second. This comes to us from Hidden Wires out of the UK. It doesn't have to be a Wi-Fi. Uh, now, when I first saw this come through, I, I got all excited. I'm like, they're going to talk about wired communications, thankfully, again, because everyone needs to hear it again. And no, they don't. Um, why Germany is connecting homes and building in a different way. Uh, there is a couple German companies that are starting to work with uh, ULE, which is ultra low um, energy, energy, thank you, uh, which is a, a DTEC uh, standard for a lot of, you know, kind of your, your, your regular fare smart home products, you know, your wireless doorbell, et cetera, et cetera, your, your leak sensors, all that fun stuff. This is a, a very interesting use case. Um, because it's not it's not something that we talk about a lot here in North America. Avi, I, I want to start with you on this. Does ULE have the legs to to start to get some adoption broad case, right? Or, or is this one of those standards that's going to be stuck to, to to telcos and to you know your small alarm companies and that that random company that's going to pop up on an end cap at Home Depot? for 1.2 years uh, before it plummets into failure. Um, wh where's this gonna live? So I think you can look at the DEC ULE standard very similarly to the way that we look at Zigbee and Z-Wave. Okay. Both Z-Wave and Zigbee started with niche customers. Uh, Zigbee started with the power companies, right? They had meters that they needed to get data out of. 
They found a radio that was long enough range that was at the time in a frequency that wasn't used as often as other things. And so they gravitated towards a standard that allowed them to get that communication out of those meters. DECULE is a very similar kind of circumstance. It's a specific frequency. It's a worldwide frequency. It's not 2.4 gigahertz. And so it is away from the Wi-Fi band and the Bluetooth band, which gives it a little bit more clear air, allows it to operate sort of in its own realm. The DSPG company, the, the digital um, DSPG group, as it was called, Mm-hmm. ran the standard for DECT for many, many years. And this goes back to, I'm old enough to remember, you know, cordless telephones. The radio, the, the radio system that was in your cordless 900 megahertz telephone was DECT. And then yeah. we went to, you know, 1.2 and then 5.8 and all of that. That was a DECT chip. The DECT ULE is the evolution of that DECT standard. And so DSPG grew it over a number of years. They were successful. They were actually just acquired last uh, earlier this year. And so they, they're now part of the Synaptics Group out of California. Um, and the reason why they bought them was to gain access to this niche RF technology. And this RF technology is definitely going to grow. There's already uh, a company here in the United States called, a, a little company, you may have heard of it, ADT. You might have heard of them. Um, yeah, heard of ADT them. uses the DECULE standard in their DIY system. So in, in ADT Blue, uh, all of those devices are DECULE. It is very much a, a similar walled garden that a Z-Wave or a Zigbee would be in the fact that you have to have a DECULE chip inside your product to be able to communicate from device to device. But I do believe the reason why they're gravitating towards it is the same reason why we did back in the day with things like Zigbee. It is easy to implement. It's easy to engineer. It's very robust. It's got great bandwidth. It'll do voice right natively out of the box. Um, so that that's why the telcos love it, because it'll actually move voice traffic around the network. Um, and it's a standard. And it's a, it's a true standard that's out there. It's a published standard. And so I think that you're going to see other niche companies embracing it. Um, there's a big movement here in the United States. There's, there's some uh, movement right now to get DECT embedded in other devices, things like security panels and, and other peripheral devices. There are a couple of other companies around the world that have also embraced the technology. So I think it's, it's another standard that allows people to uh, get devices up and running quickly. It's very robust. It's self-healing. It's all the right things, all the right buzzwords, because mm-hmm. now we're 20 years into RF technology. Um, but it works really well. And the Germans are proving the fact that you can use another technology that you can control, that you can contain, that you can monitor and maintain within your environment. And the homeowners all seem to love it. Katie, when, when we see this and, and see this from an integration standpoint, one of the pluses with anything that's on you know a Wi-Fi band is that you can very easily take a phone, a computer, anything, and download an app and monitor that Wi-Fi. You can see the traffic, you can see where it's getting hung up, you can see where those issues are. Now, there's sometimes a multitude of issues, but you can see them, it's easy to diagnose. When you start looking at ULE, and you know, again, some of these other kind of somewhat walled garden products, when there's no way to easily, quickly diagnose a, a, a problem, potentially, does that does that make this more in the realm of, again, the DIY community, because there comes a point where clients get annoyed when you walk in when there's a problem, 
because there, there's always going to be a problem. And you go, look, I, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's something there. We don't know what it's caused. Do, does that hinder the adoption for, for our community of these kind of products? So I don't know if it hinders the adoption for our community, or I think it, it will hinder the adoption by our community. But I think more the, the point that I'm more comfortable talking about is, does it hinder the capabilities of our integration community and the skill set, the specialized skill set that they bring to the table and making sure that things do interoperate and that we walk into a room and we can say, yeah, I can fix that, not, I don't know, you know, and I think, you know, that's the part that kind of concern, that concerns me is putting putting our community, you know, I mean, we just came off of a, off of a high of this, the prior topic to this one where it's like, oh, geez, now we've got something where now they don't have necessarily all of the tools in their in their toolkit to be able to resolve the issue when they're called out on site or, uh, the call comes in or that, you know, and it, for me, that that's, it, it's a bummer. You know, I, 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 I like that the technology is a standard. And I think that that is, you know, definitely puts some, some checks in the plus column. But I think, you know, the, the limiting factor for the integration community and being that specialist that owns a network and everything on it, to me, this is going to be one of those anomalies that just becomes, well, we own everything but that. And uh, have a nice day. We'll send you a bill. You know, and like, you know, and, and, and how does the homeowner going to want to pay that bill if the answer was, I don't know, you know, like, so for me, there's just a lot more kind of questions that, that arise from it as being beneficial to our, to, to the work that we do in our industry and, and mm -hmm. that the community is, is, you know, rising to the challenge of, of becoming that, that specialist that can resolve all things within the home, um, that, that has connectivity, you know, this is that, this is going to be that anomaly. And I, and I just fear what that's going to create, you know, the, the flip side of that is we're already we already have to battle the DIY products that are coming into the home with, without necessarily our approval. Um, you know, and by approval, I just mean either, but they're, they're appearing and, and, you know, technicians are having to be faced with the questions about how does it, how, why isn't it, you know, insert brand and insert issue here, you know, and just trying to combat that on a daily basis while also trying to maintain some profitability for the company. Here comes another one of those potentials that, you know, that kind of walled garden scenario that, that is going to, create i think some challenges so you know i think it's it's neat from a technology standpoint but i'm not sure it's going to be awesome for for the integration community avi let me let me just ask you this last question before we move on if it has the gateway capabilities of any of the other you know quote unquote walled garden products is there any hindrance there other than it's new or or, or new to us i i and i think that's sort of the 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 elephant in the room, if you will, is, and, and I'm sure your listeners are, are thinking to themselves now, another new standard? Like, what, what, you know, I thought the whole idea was to move away from more walled gardens or and, and you know, get standards that interoperated. It took us 20 years to get to the point where Z-Wave was somewhat ubiquitous and Zigbee was interoperable. Like, mm -hmm. why are we even playing this game where we've got these situations? And I think it goes to something that Katie said where... It's not necessarily about the integration community, but it is about the telcos needing to satisfy the, the itch, right? There is definitely a, um, a group of homeowners out there that want the services that an integrator can provide, but haven't yet reached the point where they're willing to hire an integrator. And so they're looking mm -hmm. for that low-hanging fruit. So I think what the German telcos did was they gravitated to this standard because they, they understood it. They could implement it. It would move voice around, so it was beneficial to them. Um, and it created a walled garden where their support infrastructure was was known, right? Mm -hmm. what it, whether or not it's wide or narrow is a different story, but it was known. 
they knew when they called that they weren't going to have some third-party device entering their network, and so they could control the environment. So I think your listeners are probably wondering, why do I need the standard? Why do I need another thing that I have to maintain? And I think that the answer to that comes from where this is going to get used. And I think it's going to get used in these walled garden systems where it's not about the integration. It's not about the third-party support. It's not about going to your local big box store or, or online and ordering another product. It's you want a curated solution from a single provider. Right? Yeah. I pay a bill every month. I want to add some technology to my home. I'm okay paying a little bit more each month for that technology. And it means that there's one throat to choke. I make one phone call. They know how to fix it. They can get inside the gateway and figure it out. I'm not sure you're going to see the ubiquity of DECT-ULE in the third-party integration channel the way that you do Zigbee and Z-Wave. And I would be so bold as to say, I'm not sure that if you started Z-Wave and Zigbee today that you would see them either, right? It's, right. it's more ubiquitous than that. I think we've got some legacy that we're dealing with and there are some newer ways of doing things. So from that perspective, I'm not sure that the integration community is ever gonna necessarily be bothered, quote unquote, by DECULE. But I think the relevance and the reason why the Hidden Wires article is so relevant is that it doesn't have to be Wi-Fi. When I read the headline, I was hoping that they were going to talk about all the other standards out there. <laughs> and these sort of hung this left turn on me and they're like, DECULE, woohoo! And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa but, 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 but. So I, I think that it doesn't have to be Wi-Fi. I think the, the, the idea behind that is absolutely relevant and we're seeing a lot of power behind that. Um, whether it's DECULE or some other walled garden, I think has to do with who's providing the technology, not necessarily going out of my local store, buying a product and hoping yeah. that it's you know plug and pray. Yeah, I love it. All right, let's hit our last story of the day. This comes to us from Residential Systems. As Avi alluded to earlier, SnapOne has established a partnership with all major Cedia US buying groups. That's Azeon, HTSA, HTSN, and ProSource. Um, yeah, if you haven't been following this, they've they've been working on this for the last little bit, and yeah. it's. It, I don't think anyone's surprised by this, although I believe it's one of the first-ish groups to do that. So, Katie, this is a, a continuance of Snap's attempts at world domination. Um, do you see? <laughs> I, I I joke. I kid. Calm down. Um, I just like the way you're calling an attempt, like they haven't done it already. They're a kid there. Right, that's all. <laughs> I will keep all other comments to myself. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Katie, when 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 you see this, I I don't see a downside to this. I see this as just a great move, right? They're 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 just making it easier for any of those buying groups and any member of any of those buying groups to make use of that partnership. They're already there. Is there a downside to this, or is this just again some really good business? I see no. I see no downside to it. I mean, you know, but I've I've been a buying group supporter for many, many, many years, um, and and you know, I worked with Ozion for a number of years, and um, you know, I kind of I, I come from distribution management, distribution group management. So, you know, I think that there's it, it's a really good play, and more and more integrators are getting involved with some membership of either one or several of the buying groups. So it's kind of you know, meet the people where they are is something you'll hear me you know, quote often. And, you know, and I think that's, that's the thing. 
trade shows kind of they went away for some time and while they're coming back online whether the integration community comes back in full force is, is i think is 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 a, is a great question you know do they have the time do they have the ability do they have the labor force no, no, and no, to be able to dedicate a week in a in a trade show city and or, or bear the expense of it. And I think that, you know, mm-hmm. kind of there's that part of the conversation that that we have, but that really only comes up around the, you know, around June for Infocom and around September for, for CDX. So buying group events are much more convenient and they offer a lot more of a focused um, curriculum and programming for for the integration community and also for the manufacturing community to be in front of the integrators and really have their attention with the principal partners, but also more and more staff and, and you know, down to the technician level are starting to attend the buying group events. So I think, you know, it's it's a it's a way to to get in front of and have focused um, time with with the very audience that you're hoping to engage with your product, make sure that they're properly educated, make sure that their questions are answered, and, and yeah, sell them some product while you're at it. But I think, you know, the, the bigger thing is how many brands, not only does Snap One own, um, but how many do they distribute? And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think that that, you know, there's kind of that additional fold to all of this that that really does, you know, it's 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 making it available, um, you know, on a more regular basis and, and having the conversation more than once or twice a year, depending on a vertical that you happen to cater to. Right. So, yeah. you know, I think that there's it's a very, very smart move. And I think it also is a bit of an evolutionary tale as well of how to stay relevant and, and stay front of mind while not relying wholly on live events such as Infocom and CD Expo. I mean, there are others, but, you know, the two majors that, that exist for us here in the U.S. Yeah, that's a good point. Avi. Again, I, I don't think this is necessarily groundbreaking or unexpected, but do you expect to see a push from some of the other manufacturers to go down this vein? Because I know some of the, when people pitch buying groups to me, um, and, and there's not as many up in Canada as there are down south, one of the things that they always kind of hang their hat on is, oh, well, we have exclusive partnerships with X company that you're going to sell a lot of. Does that does that play into that conversation of of you know kind of being there for everybody? So so that was actually the first thing that I thought of when I read the article about the fact that they were in all four buying groups. The the first question was you know how are they managing the channel conflict, right? Because mm-hmm. again the 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 groups pride themselves on the brands that they bring in. They pride themselves on their partnerships and their technology partnerships and things of that nature. And this is a situation where you have a a manufacturer, we'll we'll call Snap a manufacturer in this instance, going out and bragging at the fact that there is no such thing as exclusivity. You can join any group you want. We will be there for you, right? Mm -hmm. And it's it's sort of a break from the traditional way of, you know, if you were a Marantz, you would go and find one buying group and you would put your eggs in that basket and you would support them and you would be part of them. And and if you were a dealer and you wanted to, you know, you really love Marantz, then you went to that buying group and you did whatever you needed to do to join because that was the brand that you wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, and not putting anything off on Marantz, obviously, I love the brand, I'm, I'm, but just using them as an example. Snap has sort of broken that mold now, right? So. Now the dealer is saying to themselves, well, is it now about the deal that I can cut with the buying group? Because I'm going to get whatever I want from Snap anyway, no matter who I join. It has to do with the other stuff. So if I'm a Marantz, for instance, or I'm a Sound United, or I'm you know one of the other brands, do I now say to myself, well, crap, well, if Snap is going to do it, then I'm going to do it. If anything, I think the buying groups 
sort of have to be put on notice because they're going to need more differentiators because yeah. if the manufacturers are now not going to be exclusive with them, they're going to have to say to themselves, Oop, we've got to do something else. We've, we've got to find another way of differentiating ourselves and getting the dealers that we want to join us to join us, um, which in and of itself is not a bad thing either because I think it keeps everybody on their toes and it raises the, the competitive hackles yeah. of everybody. But it definitely is going to change our model, right? And I, I don't want our industry to end up looking like the computer industry, which is highly commoditized. There's no loyalty whatsoever. You buy from whoever's got the best price this week, and you, you know, the the support is 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 lack lackadaisical at best, right? And so I don't want us to turn into the computer industry, into the IT industry. And this could be the first step. You know, I still remember the day that Compaq announced there were no such thing as list prices anymore, and they completely undermined the entire computer industry because of it. I'm hoping this is not that seminal moment, right? That Snap has broken the mold yeah. and everybody's going to have to learn how to do things differently. I don't think it is because I think we're smarter than that, but I hope it's not. Yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. All right, we are going to leave it there. Thank you all for joining us. Katie, if people want to connect with you, learn more about KMB Communications, where can they do that? All over the sphere. If you just if you go to the Googs and enter KMB Communications, uh, you, you will seek and you shall find. Look at that. Avi, <laughs> thank you for being here as well. If people want to connect with you, learn more about BlueSav, how can they do that? Easiest way is on our website, BlueSav, B-L-U-E-S-A-L-V-E.com. Awesome. Thank you again for joining us. If you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Twitter at Matt D. Scott and every other social platform. Um, Elon Musk's Twitter now. Twitter. Uh, yeah, I was just about yeah, to say. That just came, that How just much came longer out. are you going to be on the Twitter? <laughs> me? I don't care. Uh, can't be can't be worse than uh, TikTok. So, all right. But more importantly, please stop by aviation.tv where you'll find this show as well as a wide variety of other shows with all the verticals that we cover. When you visit the website, please take a moment to check out our supporters. We are extremely thankful for their support and ask that you check them out as well. Thanks again for watching. That's all we have for this episode of Resi Week.